Hi, I'm Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Johnny Cash. The Man in Black was a country music legend and one of the founding fathers of rock and roll from his days at Sun Studios. He was a God-fearing outlaw who never stopped fighting for the common man. Despite making records, movies, and television shows for years, he thought he was washed up by the mid-90s. He had lost his edge. His record company didn't care about him anymore, and he was playing small venues for a few hundred people. Then he met famous record producer Rick Rubin. The man who produced albums from Slayer and the Beastie Boys had a really simple vision. He invited Johnny Cash to come to his house and record him playing his favorite songs. This weird combination of Johnny Cash and Rick Rubin turned into a project that went from 1994 until John's death in 2003. It produced a series of albums called The American Recordings where he put his own spin on songs from Springsteen, Depeche Mode, Tom Waits, Bob Marley, Danzig, U2, Tom Petty, and of course, Nine Snails. The project revitalized Johnny Cash's career and reintroduced him to a whole new generation of fans. The original American badass was back. On today's episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're going to dive into the amazing work that came out of the American Sessions, as well as covers he did during his entire 50-year career. Johnny Cash. I hear the train a coming, it's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps a rolling. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 29. I'm Bruce Kramer. I am stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on, but there is no one that I would rather be doing time with than my two very good friends and co-hosts, Mr. Doug McCusker and Mr. Ryan McCusker. Hello, I'm Doug McCusker. Are you rocking out there? Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, which is the podcast network for music lovers. Man, I I have more apprehension about doing this episode than I did about the Springsteen episode. I knew you would be really into this episode. I, many, I know how much you love Johnny Cash. We all love, all three of us yeah. love Johnny Cash. Yeah. Like he, I, this is a topic, man, that we are all really, really into him. I have to say off the bat, though, we liked, we all liked Johnny Cash before the movie came out. Sure. Yes, we I were, mean, right. We're, we're, we're going to say, like, we were into that band before anybody else. Yes, we're band. like comic book guy. Yes, absolutely with Johnny Cash. And it's like we've been doing this show for a year now, a little bit over a year, and I'm amazed that it took us this long to be like, oh, let's do a Johnny Cash episode. Yeah, we talked a little, we talked about him doing yeah, the Sun, Sun Records episode, yeah. which is, if you didn't listen to it, man, go listen to the Sun Records episode. I, yeah, I think it was one of our best. Yeah. I do too. I think it was one of our better ones. But um, yeah, man, we've, we've talked about wanting to do an episode about him for a while, 
But we want to steer clear of all the stuff that was in Rock Walk the Line. I mean, you saw it. We, you all know the story. It's a great movie. It's a great story, but yeah. it's been told. Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic movie. And I, Joaquin Phoenix was. I was like, man, that's, he he's Johnny Cash yeah. in that episode in that movie. And like you said, like that's a good movie and a good story. Like it wasn't like you know it was exaggerated at points and this and that. But again, good yeah. movie. And and if you want to know more about his beginning, if you didn't see the movie, go listen to the episode of Sun Records we did. It was it was a kick ass episode. Seriously, go go listen to it. Um, Johnny Cashman, he is in the Country Music Hall of Fame. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's actually one of only. There's only two people that are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Country Music Hall of Fame. Johnny Cash and Elvis. Yeah, I was, oh, real. Yeah, Elvis is. I believe that. Is he in the Songwriters uh, Hall of Fame? He is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He's in the Gospel Hall of Fame. Wow. Um, so he wrote, you know, you know the songs, man, like Ring of Fire, Walk the Line, Cry, 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 Folsom Prison Blues we played. He wrote all this stuff, but there's a point in his life, man. He wrote, he recorded over 1,500 songs. That's, That's amazing. amazing. Like he put out almost 100 albums, so he was incredibly prolific. So, of course, other people's stuff was going to become part of his repertoire. Um, and the most famous covers that he did were really over the last decade of his life, but he did a lot of covers in his whole 15 year mm -hmm. career. There was a bunch of that. He did there. He did a Bob Dylan song. He did a lot of different kind of things, you know, I mean, just not being a writer himself, but he told other people's stories. And he did such an amazing job at reinterpreting songs. And so many sure. of these that we're going to play are like, yeah. You listen to the original, and then you listen to this, you're like, dude, it's so different. Yeah. yeah, It's awesome. So I think the way we're going to tackle this is um, we broke it up. Is We're going to talk about some of the stuff maybe the first 40 years of his career, and then we're going to dive into the last 10 years of his life, which to me, I mean, I, I absolutely love Johnny Cash. I think the stuff he put out in the last 10 years of his life is some of the most moving music I've ever heard. In my, I know we'll get into it, but yeah. man, I, I love the stuff that he did those last four five, six albums. He was definitely an artist to the day he died. Absolutely, man. And, you know, we'll talk about uh, how on the ropes his career was sure. at that point. And I was like, I don't think people who watch that movie or if, if you know him now, you look back at him like, Oh, he's Johnny Cash. He was always famous. He was always cool. He was always yeah. right, right. the man in black. There was a yeah. point where he was not cool. Yeah. And how he was ready to hang it up. You know, he was ready to retire and he was playing a lot. Like he was playing concerts with like a hundred people at some like retirement center in like Oklahoma. Really? And he kind of like, yeah, dude, he was done. He was ready to okay, hang no. it up. And his, his daughter literally says those last albums like saved his life. And, and sure. gave him a new life, yeah. purpose. And it's there's some people maybe that's all they know him from. Is that stuff at the last? The, the that wouldn't surprise me. That definitely uh, wouldn't surprise me. So, but like you know, like the stuff later, like toward the end of his life, all everybody he covered, everybody was so stoked that Johnny Cash was recording their songs, and they would redo the songs, like you know, rewrite them so John could sing them. Right, you know, and and a lot of this stuff, man. I I went pretty far down the rabbit hole. I I had a I read a biography about him like a year and a half ago, and I dusted it off, and I read the whole the last hundred fifty pages about the last ten years of his life, and dove into it. And you know, I've I've been to Nashville a couple times. I've we've I think we've all been to the Johnny Cash Museum, yeah. in Nashville. I last time I was there, I went out to where where John and June are buried. That's cool. And, oh, really? Um, yeah. 
and uh, they're buried side by side. And all of that course, stuff. We'll, yeah. we'll get into all yeah. that kind of stuff, man. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm, I am so ver- you're so excited. I am so reverential about Johnny Cash. Probably more than Springsteen. I'm like he is sure. Hmm. Johnny Cash is just a he's a poet and an outlaw and a badass. And even when we talked about how to do this show, we were we had so many ideas. We we're like Ryan, you talked about like let's talk about the. Um, you know, the stories about the common man that he did. Yeah. Or, you know, there's mm. so many different so many angles different. we could approach this from. We should, we could have a podcast about Johnny Cash. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but I think more people can relate to Johnny Cash. I think everybody out there likes Johnny Cash. Like, like at least one song. It, you know, maybe yeah. it's from that movie. Maybe. I always said, like, before I got, I got really, really into him maybe the last like five or six years, but I always thought that he was a rock star that country music kind of yeah. stole. And now I'm like, he, but he is a country star, and he's a gospel star. Yeah, but like, he's also a rock star. You would see him; they they roll him out during the American Music Awards or something like that, and he would have like some kind of rhinestone outfit looking kind of thing. It's like, oh, wh- where's the Man in Black? Yeah, that was you the know? times though. But yeah, the we'll times, get, the '80s and the '70s. Yeah, you know, everybody was wearing the fashion. Yeah, of the of like sparkle. Everybody was sparkling, and and we were as we were doing our notes during the week. You know, we always share like things with each other and there's a couple songs that that i think we'll get into they were like man he he, yeah he wasn't the badass in the 80s that he was no. in like the 50s and 60s and then maybe at the end of his career well i guess we can get into that the world know? caught the world caught up to him like you know that's that that attitude that he had that that man in black attitude i think you know, it wasn't was dangerous more, anymore i think he was more of a jesus freak yeah, for the last like thirty years of his life, I've got a little bit on that too. Okay, um, I got a story about him uh, saying grace with Bono <laughs> at dinner okay. and, uh, in Ireland. So, but um, so let's get let's just get into it, man. Let's talk about and so as and let me back up a second. So as we were talking about, we're going to do this show about his covers. We're like, but he did a lot of covers in the beginning part of his career, and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about them. So I had them in the initial part of this part of the show uh, chronologically. And I think maybe the most famous one he did was in 69 was A Boy Named Sue. Sure. I love A Boy Named oh, Sue. Yeah, that's Absolutely. a great song. Life what, ain't easy for A Boy Named Sue. Wait, give me some background about that song. Yeah, man. So that song was written by Shel Silverstein. So and if you were a kid, you might have read From the Giving Tree. That, okay. that, yes. that yeah. book. So he wrote that. And Shel Silverstein actually kind of tooled around with um, writing some songs. And Shel Silverstein had a cover of it. And I guess June Carter and Johnny Cash went to like an open mic night in like Tennessee. And Shel Silverstein was there playing it. And um, he wrote the song about being teased about his own name sure. so like shell is like oh okay michelle like whatever yeah so he wrote this song called a boy named sue and um his version of it is really a kind of like light uh, let's, play, let's play a couple seconds cool. of that let i can me, say i never heard this so i'm kind of excited yeah, let me, yeah. here's shell silverstein's version of a boy named sue hey my daddy left home when I was three, and it didn't leave much for mind me, just this dear old guitar and a half-filled bottle of booze. And it wasn't just that he run and hid, but the meanest thing that old man did is before he left, he went and named me Sue. Yeah, he must have thought it was quite a joke, and it got lots of laughs from lots of folks. It seems I had a fight my whole life. 
So that, it, it yeah, sounds kind of yeah, totally. silly, right? It's really cartoony. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, but what do you expect to come from a guy that yeah. wrote the Children's book that books. he did? Yeah, Children's books. It's supposed to be yeah. silly. You know? I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, I I, I have no beef with it. I um, could see how Johnny saw it and wanted to make his own version of it. So June Carter, John's wife, decided – she was like, man, this would be a great song. And she convinced him. So when he went to San, the San Quentin show, so he plays those two really famous shows mm. in Folsom Prison, and he played San Quentin. And she's like, "This would be a great song." And she convinces him. Like she writes out the copy of the lyrics, and she like he brings it. And he had never rehearsed it. He had never done anything else. And he just starts playing it. And like so, the band didn't even know what he was doing. He just started saying, "I want to play this," and the band just completely improvises the song. So it's it's totally off the cuff, but he's playing. Is that the when he recorded that? Yes, that's a, amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, it's live in Sam Quentin, and he's singing a song about. And it's right off of top of his head, right? And the band doesn't know what's going the on. Band, that's the band amazing. Just, the band just just goes like, "Shit, let's just come up with a rhythm." Yeah, and it's a song about killing his dad. So <laughs> yeah. the prisoners all go crazy. Yeah. So let. Let's play a little bit of that. I'm not going to play the same exact 30 seconds. I think the point where he says, like, when he meets his dad and says, like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. When the crowd goes nuts, it's because he's playing in San Quentin all the content. That's yeah. funny. Well, it was Gatlinburg in mid-July, and I just hit town, and my throat was dry. I thought I'd stop and have myself a brew. At an old saloon on a street of mud, there at a table dealing stud, such a dirty mangy dog that named me Sue. Well, I knew that snake was my own sweet dad from a worn-out picture that my mother had had. And I knew that scar on his cheek and his evil eye. He was big and bent and gray and old. And I looked at him and my blood ran cold. And I said, my name is Sue. How do you do? Now you're going to die. That's amazing. It, yeah, dude, it's so just funny. totally off the cuff. Yeah. And that was because June Carter was like, you would love this song, and you should play this in the prison. That's so great. Um, that just shows the, t- the level of talent that was in this band and that John had. Right. Yeah. But he's a storyteller. Yeah. And that song. And that's his best. Yeah. yeah. He definitely knows how to tell a story. And that song went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100. The only reason it didn't go number one, because Honky Tonk Women by the Stones. Yeah. Wow. Had it locked out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. So... And at some point, he, um, Shel Silverstein, uh, you know, Johnny Cash had the Johnny Cash show. Sure. He had like a, like a variety, variety show. show. Yeah. And he had Shel Silverstein on and they sang it together. And then Shel Silverstein wrote a really shitty song called Father of a Boy Named Sue that tells the song. Why from he the named the version the of the dad. And let me, let's play a little bit of that too. It's, it's terrible, but kind of like, uh, he must have made a lot of money off of that because. To write another song, yeah. Like w- when we did the the last Christmas episode, we we're talking about like the Elmo and Patsy, like the sequel to Grandma yeah. Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Okay. Here's a little bit of this, and it's got the same. It's the same. Well, it was Gatlinburg in mid July, and I was getting drunk but getting by, getting old, going from bad to worse. Went through the door with an awful scream. Come the ugliest queen I've ever seen. He says. My name is Sue. How do you do? And he hit me with his purse. <laughs> this ain't the way he tells the tale, but he's. Stra- 
I think, yeah, why not? Yeah. Right, man. Check, cash in on it. So. But it's so strange, though, because he totally He's adopted. He's a strange guy. Yeah, but he totally adopted, adopted Johnny Cash's vocal vocals as the same arrangement, which I get. Like, it's a, that's, just another chapter of the song. I understand yeah. that, but the way that he's singing it like Johnny yeah, Cash. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's strange. Oh, he wanted to get on that gravy train, baby. No, I hear you. But I'm, sure, just, I'm sure he got money. From, yeah. He probably got paid. Sure. Johnny Cash doing that, but. But it's just, it's, it's like, we're all sitting here. I'm like, me and Ryan were like, is that Johnny Cash singing? He's like, no, it's the other guy. I'm yeah. like, wow, that's really strange to me. I never knew any of that. Stuff. I mean, I knew the point that he played it at San Quentin, but I never yeah. knew that it was like a one, like improvised and that there was. I never knew. It. I never knew that there was a in-studio recording. It's, it's the only recording of the song is from Sam Quentin. Yeah, I don't think he ever I did it in the that. studio. Well, wow. I don't think he ever did it. In the, I never realized that. Yeah, and those those prison albums were we could have done a whole huge. show on the prison yeah, albums. They were too, huge, like how yeah. monumental they were, yeah. what an impact they had. Yeah, and um, everybody start copying off of them. Yeah, everybody. Oh yeah, and it's a huge part of the Walk the Line movie, right? It it starts and it ends starts with off, him yeah. playing in the prison. So. Um, yeah, man. So let's just keep on rolling. The next song I had chronologically was "It Ain't Me, Babe." Great. I, shame on me, dude. Mm. I thought this was a Johnny Cash song. Doug thought the same thing. I, did. I, didn't, I didn't realize I did, it was a Bob Dylan. I didn't song. realize a Bob Dylan song either. Uh, that was a, that was a while on, ago. Shame that was a on while you, ago. boys. Uh, that was a no. while ago. It was after the movie. Yeah, it was. Oh no, absolutely. That movie's out like, almost twenty years ago, man. Like, yeah. And I went, you, what? And I actually, <laughs> I think I might like the version from the movie a little bit. There's a couple yeah, songs from the movie yeah, soundtrack. That's a that really I good. It's a really good version. It's like, Reese Witherspoon singing in it. It's yeah, like but very it's good. not them. It's yeah. two actors imitating them. Sure, You've always said that though. It's, it's like they're not musicians. They're actors. No. It's like it's straighter. It's a straighter version in the yeah. movie. Like this one, there's like it's a, more bubblegum. Like the 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 movie version is more bubblegum. That's why, and it's, it's a better recording because it's. All these years later, I, yeah. I, okay, let, why don't we play? Let's play thirty yeah. seconds. Maybe yeah. maybe we'll play the thirty seconds yeah. from Walk the Line. Let's get into it. I think when he says like when they go like it ain't me, babe. It's like real. Like it sounds like kind of. It's more playful. Well, don't John you think Dylan does it the same way? Dylan does. Maybe it. he. If I don't know, we could play all, right. all three songs. Yeah, all right, let's do it. But always strong to protect you and defend you whether you are right or wrong someone to open each and every door but it ain't me babe now 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 it ain't me babe it ain't me you're looking for babe So you want to play the the walk the line version? Yeah, the, well, the walk the line, like like Ryan said, like you're, you know, this is done years and years and years later. The production value of the walk the line version is yeah is pretty good. All right, so here's a little bit of the walk the line version with Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. You say you're looking for someone who's never weak, but all. They do the same thing, 
I, babe. I like his. I like Joaquin Phoenix's kind of like he's really yeah. like monotone. I kind re- of. I really do love this version though because like, it's a pop song. Like Ryan said, it's a pop song. He could play, he could play like Vegas and be and be yeah. uh, Johnny Cash. Yeah, well, he's like, he was he like a be, char- he's a character actor, so he was walking around like Johnny Cash well, when he was doing the movie. You know, he could be he could be up there pretending that he'd make a lot of money. You yeah. go out there and make a lot of money. Being he has Johnny a lot Cash. of money. <laughs> no, I mean he he totally can go out there like be a cover band. That's yeah. what he is. He's a you guys like the sound of it. It's a cover. I mean, we were just playing this. We were talking about like I mean. If you look at the movie, man, if you know Johnny Cash, you're like, holy crap, man. The mannerisms yeah. were like, we're yeah. spot on. I mean, the, the pompadour and the way he yeah. held the guitar. And they said, like, Johnny Cash died. This movie was being filmed when Johnny Cash died. And yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, like, met Johnny Cash and was kind of demonstrating for him. Because Johnny Cash was real provincial about, like, what his, his image would be. Yeah. And he was like, you got it, babe. Like, it was like, yeah. you know, he was like, you go. But, but I don't think people know, like... Our listeners out there, they don't know it's a Bob Dylan song. Yeah, you know, right. nobody knows. Can we play a little yeah, bit of the yeah, Bob Dylan like, version? Yeah, a little bit of the original. But sure. before you go into that, like the reason why that song is really good because Reese is that good in that song. Like he's a mediocre singer, but Reese is that good of a singer in that. I just she's wanted really to say good. she's very good in that. Yeah. All right, here's a Bob Dylan. Here's the original. But I'll be strong to protect you and defend you. Whether you are right or wrong Someone to open each and every door But it ain't me, be No, 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 it ain't me, be It ain't me you're looking for, be I'm sorry, guys. That version blows it all away. I, so- uh. I don't like Bob Dylan, and I've been very adamant. Right, you totally I, have. I really like. I I didn't even listen to that. Right, yeah. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, that, I really that like that. Blows I enjoyed that. Every cover version of it away. That the original. But it's great though because you know it it, it was a great blueprint for Johnny to like go out and make a completely different song. Just take the words and just make his own song out of it. Well, you know, Dylan was a young kid compared to Johnny. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. know, and for for. Johnny to cover Dylan's song. I'm sure Dylan was in all of it. Yeah. But that's just like, just amazing about Bob Dylan. Like he just blew everybody's doors off, you know, just by his lyrics and it just touched a million people. Yeah. I mean, his songs, all kinds of covered. Look, look at Hendrix. Look what we did for Watchtower. Watchtower. Yeah. You know, and as we were kicking around the ideas for how to tackle Johnny Cash, one of the things I came up with where I threw out was like, Let's talk about Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan because there's like a whole – the last time I was in Nashville at the Country Music Hall of Fame, they had a whole exhibit on the, their friendship and all their stuff. They said like Johnny Cash wanted to do this song because he would always play the Free Will on Bob Dylan album like backstage. Nice. Mm. And it was like he would do a show and he'd go back and as he listened to Bob Dylan, it was kind of like I'm going to gonna do this. And they, they did a bunch of stuff together. Like um, I think it was – bootlegged I, I'm, yeah I'm, there is there's footage of them playing together like and it's, it's like a fucking train wreck yeah it was kind of messy and, and you know john was was on the was on the pills at the time yeah. and all that stuff but they still recorded a lot of stuff just kind of messing around yeah I, that's probably where the magic came out if there's something they should put they i don't are they out can you like listen to them let me let me let me look right now while we're talking because that'd be some great recordings of uh Dylan and Cash, just no. I don't see anything. Yeah, maybe some, one day. Yeah, 
Yeah, you can find like bootlegs of the stuff on like YouTube and, yeah. and things like that, but you got to be really into the music to go looking for it. But, but I it, will have to go look for it. Mm-hmm. But on Johnny Cash's variety show, wasn't Bob Dylan his first guest ever? I'm pretty sure. It was. I don't think Bob Dylan. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I think he I was. Know. I think he was his first guest of his show. I can't see Dylan because that was like after he got in his motorcycle accident, and Dylan wasn't doing shit. Yeah, he I mean, didn't do anything good. until he came out and did the Bangladesh concert. Really? Okay. Yeah, I know. I heard. No, here he is, Bob Dylan on the live on the Johnny Cash TV show. I'm pretty sure he was his first guest. There's some great shit on, and that, that was a man. big deal when he was on there because it was the I think it was the first thing after his motorcycle, and and uh, Dylan was never on television. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm like wow yeah. I can't yeah. believe he was on yeah. like. Yeah. Regular TV, like I said, when I think of when I think of Johnny Cash's variety show, I think of 1973. You know, I don't, I, I didn't, I don't see young Dylan yeah. like that on there. That's yeah. crazy. That's why I think it was such a big deal because he was on the show. Just a crossing of the two of them. Yeah. But yeah, but like I said, I think it was his first episode. But yeah. what do I know? Hi, man. So the next song I had on the list was Have You Ever Seen the Rain by Credence. Credence was my number one pick in the top six American rock and roll bands. Um, so I was glad that, Ryan, you decided to put this on the playlist. I think it's a great version of it. Yeah, it's it's very 80s. And I think it has a great guitar sound on it, though. Yeah, Johnny Cash. The, so Johnny Cash's version came out in 85. The Credence song came out in 70. Johnny Cash is real. This is real 80s country music at this point. Yeah, okay. I think it's great. Yeah, Good. here's 15 seconds, 30 seconds of it. Someone told me long ago there's a calm before the storm. I know it's been coming for some time. When it's over, so they say. Oof. Yeah, it's it's really produced, but that's yeah. the 80s, that's man. The 80s, that's, yeah. that's how music went. Yeah, I've never heard that before. Um, I've been I'm kind of happy it. I heard it. I've been listening to it all week. I really enjoy it. Yeah. It's different. It's completely different. It's, it's John doing his thing to a very famous song. Like I know? said, I love the sound of the guitar on there. Yeah. like like yeah, It reminds me of like country music of the 80s. I think a lot of that. Urban cowboy yeah. soundtrack yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess like so. you said that glitter, rhyme. like all that glitter yeah, and rhinestones. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. There's the uh, they're, they're called nudie suits. The big elaborate um, nudie suits. Yeah, because the guy the guy's last name was Nudie. Okay. okay. So if you go on, you go to down in Nashville, there's a bar called Nudie's Honky Tonk, and he was the guy with, like all those big rhinestone outfits. That wow. The country stars like they were called nudie suits. So nice. Was, like a they weren't um, like jumpsuits or anything like Elvis jumpsuits, but they, they were, were kind, kind of, of yeah. but they had like a jacket. I know yeah, you're talking like about the, the capes and yeah. stuff like that. And I, country I, music always had like the worst fashion in the seventies and the eighties. Their fashion was like rednecks on ice. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you know? <Yeah>. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> rednecks on ice. <laughs> All right. So another song out of the same era, man, that he did was uh, when he covered the band, the night they drove old Dixie down. This is great too. And that was on the album John R. Cash. You got, I think you got to be really into Johnny Cash or like country music to appreciate. Mm. It. I'm I'm really impressed that you're enjoying this. 80s. No, I, I I don't know, dude. I mean, I I love Johnny Cash. I do too. It's like but it, '80s country yeah. music just got real real thin sounding, like that badass. But it has this fun sound to it. It it is fun, yeah. 
it was just like really overproduced. It was like really shoved in your face. Like I remember me being a kid and it was just like on always on television, like the late seventies, early eighties. It was just everywhere that, that country music. I like, remember Yeehaw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Hee Haw. Hee Haw. Hee Haw. Dude, Hee Haw comes on on uh, Saturday nights after the Grand Old Opry. That's hysterical. I watch hours of that. That's it's awesome. I wonder if they'll reboot it. How politically uh, correct is it? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's like uh, hey, with a May. Married, married children or uh, Archie Bunker, yeah. all in the family. Is it that bad? It's it's pretty brazen. Wow. When, like, the, the dumb blonde coming out of the cornfield. Dude, it's, but it's great. It's like the yeah, farmer's daughter. Yeah, just being yeah. in the middle of the country. But here's a little bit of him covering uh, the, the band. Richmond that fell, and it's a time that I remember oh so well. The night they drove old Dixie down. And all the bells were ringing the night they drove old Dixie down. And all the people were singing, they went na 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 I liked it. Yeah. yeah I don't mind it. Got a, like Ryan, you just said, it's got a honky-tonk vibe to it. I like um, the piano in it. It really has a... And you said like that gospel thing in it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we could play the original version. Yeah, sure. Here, Even here, people here. know it's the band. Here's a little bit of that. Great song. Yeah. yeah they're, completely, talk- they're completely different songs. Absolutely. Like, you know, and like, you know, of course, the original is like fantastic. And John's version is pretty good. But like, again, it's like that whole 80s, like overproduced. Like, it's I just think, the 80s. I think the band had way better vocals than Absolutely. Johnny Cash. Yeah. But I like the way John yeah. that John sang it. Like, yeah, you know, of course. Like, you, you know, but of course. You, Doug, like you just said, though, it's a completely different song. Yeah. And maybe that's that's the point. A lot of this stuff is it, he does make it his own. It's so yeah. different. I think, I respect the, that. I think yeah. it's a great thing when you do a cover. You have to put your own personality yeah. in it. Yeah, to, it's not, yeah. They're not even like covers. It's like a reinterpretation yeah. of the song. But that's how much of John's a lyricist. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like he just saw like he just such a lyricist that he saw the beauty in these lyrics and he wanted to do it his own way and yeah, like express himself. You know, it's great. Yeah, man. All right, so the last song that we had in this first era was a cover from Springsteen. Oh, oh, yeah, man. Johnny 99. So he released this version of Johnny 99. Like It was like less than a year after Springsteen. Really? And this is a really different version. Nebraska. This is a really different version than Springsteen's. And he's covered a ton of – well, not a ton. but he's John has recovered – he's covered – John has covered a lot of Springsteen over the years. He did "I'm on Fire." Yeah. He did uh, "Further on Up the Road" and his the American recordings, and he did this. And I agree, man. This is this is much more like a honky tonk rockabilly kind of sound. Um, and even the the album cover for this. So, like, you know, I got it on Spotify. I have it on Spotify, and there's like you know a little picture of the album cover. The album's called Johnny Ninety Nine, mm-hmm. and he's wearing a fedora. He's got he almost looks more like Sinatra. Than, <laughs> oh, really? Like just the way he's That's so it's strange. Not a real country kind of song, but here's here's a couple seconds of that. Last month, 
Ralph went out looking for a job, but he couldn't find none. He came home too drunk from mixing tango ray and wine. He got a gunshot a night clerk, now they call him Johnny Night and Night. Down at the part of town where when you hit a red light, you don't stop. Dude, you go to like an yeah. 80s man, you go into yeah. the bar and like the peanut shells are all on the floor and the sure. people are square dancing, that song's playing in the background. Um, Ryan, you suggested, let's, let's play a little bit of Johnny 99 from Nebraska from Springsteen just to give a little bit of comparison of it. Here you go. Nothing totally different. Yeah, yeah. Nothing like any of it. I just I just love that John that Johnny Cash is just saw like heard these songs. He's like, Oh, I could do that song. I could make it this, I could make that. I'm not in love with Johnny Cash's version of Johnny ninety nine, but I understand what he was trying to do and the times that it was in. Like like Bruce said, you know, people were line dancing. That that was a big thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, wanted to dance, people want to be entertained. So, you know, the story's there. John yeah. 99, that's great story, great lyrics by Springsteen. But it, like, it's amazing how far Johnny Cash went away from his original idea to what he did in the eighties. Like his oh, sound, yeah, dude. You, like you it's completely play, like, like you play walk the line to that. Yeah, yeah. It's but it's completely different. different. I wonder yeah. how his his original fans felt when he started pumping out this stuff in the eighties. Uh, well, I and I think that might lead up to the next part of the show. Yeah. We talk about like his kind of resurgence because he was kind of on the ropes with yeah. a lot of his career and his fans just kind of, he was just kind of washed yeah. up yeah. and, and everything else. It's so, hard to stay on top. I mean, for that long, for, for sure to be an icon, you know, everybody was like a living legend, but then, you know, you kind of jumped the shark after a while. And that, that's great. He just, he jumped the shark. Yeah, man, and maybe all right. So let's let's use that as a bridge to kind of get into the next stuff. So like between that and the mid '90s, man, like he kind of he was turning out that kind of it's kind of it's it's thin sounding kind of music, right? It does, it's not mm-hmm. that in your face. Like I mean, you hear some of that early stuff, like Folsom and Cry 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 and the Outlaw stuff. What, yeah. yeah, it's like the the big thick bass, the upright bass, and all that kind of stuff, and it gets very eighty sounding. And he was, he had the variety show. He was in a shit ton of movies. Yeah. He was in like Columbo. He was on The Muppet Show. Yeah. He was everywhere. He was a household name. He was. Right. Yeah. Right. Even if you don't listen to country music, you, you know who John Johnny Cash, Cash was. Yeah. And I guess he kind of like, he just, I don't know how to put it, he just got washed up. Yeah. He just kind of, it was too much. He overextended himself. Do you think he listened to too many other people telling Maybe. him what yes, to do? Absolutely. Like, you know, like management and like people around them. So I'm like, oh, you know, it's super cool. He did this Muppet show. Awesome. Like, but like some of the choices in the style of music, but not necessarily the songs, but the way that he portrayed the songs that he did. And he started wearing like the outfit with like the yeah. big, the real frilly shirt. But everybody yeah. did, you know? Yeah. But he country he, fashion. Yeah. But like that outlaw, that badass. Yeah. That like, I'm Johnny Cash. He's so far away from that. Yeah. You know? I don't think he got that back until he, do you ever listen to the Highway Men? Yes, yeah, I was yes. going to bring that up. Yeah, with, um, with Christopher Nelson and Willie Nelson, right? Willie, 
Uh, was it Willie Nelson? No. Yeah, no. yeah, Willie what Nelson. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson, and Johnny Cash. Yeah, we got it. We got and, it. Um, right. Jennings. Shooter Jennings? No, not Shooter Jennings. Hang on. Hang on. We got we got Wailing it. Jennings. Oh, Wailing Jung. And that stuff's a little 80 sounding too. You think so? I, mean, I, yeah, I still listen to it. It's, it. it's, it's it. 80s yeah. country. Yeah. But it's also like. <clears throat> but it kind of grounded them though. Yeah. To me, that, that's the country version of the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah, yeah, but it sets a tone though. The song definitely yeah. sets a tone. Yeah. Johnny could have been a traveling wheelbarrow. Yeah. Oh, dude, absolutely. Yeah. That, that would have been, awesome. been great. They could have got rid of Jeff Lynn and brought him in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I always say that the traveling wheelbarrows are dying in the order of um, ta- most talented. Yeah. And Jeff yeah. Lynn will be the last one standing. I'm not, a, I'm not an ELO fan, but, you know, but, but. Between that stuff that we just played in the '90s, man, like Johnny Cash hadn't had a top ten record, uh, country record since '76. Hmm. So it's like, man, he went like 20 years. He didn't have a he didn't have a hit. And um, so when he left Sun Records, and if you don't know the story about him leaving Sun Records, you can go listen to our episode on Sun Records. He signed with Columbia, and he was with Columbia for like forever, mm-hmm. like 20 years. And a lot of the stuff, almost all the stuff we just played, was all in Columbia. Columbia dumped him. Yeah. And then he got signed to Mercury, and Mercury was kind of like, "Yeah, dude, you're Johnny Cash," but they didn't give a shit about it. like Johnny Cash really wanted to do it like a country uh, gospel album, mm. and Mercury was like, "We're not even putting it out." And at some point in Johnny Cash's career, he could do whatever he wanted, yeah, right. So he was kind of like he was washed up, man, and he um he wasn't the outlaw anymore. No, he was doing commercials. Do we want to talk about the chicken in black? Do we want to? But this is a great example, example of what he was forced to All do. Right. So, all right. To put to put the money on the table, you know, yeah, he had to sell out a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. A great example of how far he done fell. Johnny Cash at one point made a song, a parody song of himself called "Chicken in Black," and it was like he made this horrible video. So he made this really bad video, and it's actually on Johnny Cash's like official wow. YouTube channel, which is like wow. God bless him, man. Somebody <laughs> just family. You have to accept all the good and the bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, let's just play it. Sure, play it. He said we had this bank robber killed last night. His body shot, but his brain's all right. I'll give you a transplant, boy, and you'll be okay. I got my new brain in, and I was feeling great. I went right back to Nashville with no headache, but something strange happened when I walked in the bank one day. I said, stick them up, everybody, I'm robbing this place. Drop all of your money in my guitar case. Don't nobody move and don't nobody reach for that door. See, you're watching the video. <laughs> the song, I like the song. Like, I think it's very unique. It's like this Frankenstein kind of, like, story. I think it's very creative. But you're watching a visual. I don't you, like visuals with my music. You watched it when I sent it to you, right? I did, and then I listened, I watched it, and I. it's absolutely, I'm like, Ryan's like, well, you know, he wasn't on drugs at this point. I'm like, no, you, you sure about that? I said, you, Vic- want to, you want me to turn the laptop around? And no, start I'm it good. Over so you can no, because I don't like visuals with my music. It's but it's so... just, I know. But listen to the song. Like, it's very creative. Even though it's he's playing a boy named Sue, but the if you, I, hey guys, if you're out I think there, you're giving it too much credit. No, I, but I like the Frankenstein. I like he's a storyteller, and yeah, all he's doing yeah. is telling a story. Right, so we'll, and we'll, I'll give him that. We'll share it on our. On yeah, everybody watch it. You'll channel. you'll laugh your ass off. But, but the song, I like it. But that's where he was. Yeah, in the nineties. Right? So yeah. Was that the nineties? Maybe the maybe that was the in the eighties. That's the late eighties, like eighty five. Yeah, he had a cape on again with the capes. Yeah, like a that's yellow so strange. It's so strange. 
When did this come out? He still knows Black oh, Pill. Four. Yeah, right, so come on. Yeah. Okay. This is like the beginning of MTV. Like he was trying to get on MTV or CMT I don't or know what I don't he know. Was doing. Yeah. So, so he should have been on drugs. <laughs> yeah, I think so, he was on drugs. So, yes. So Walk the Line talks about his drug problems, right? Right. He's, he's messed up and he's kicking out all the lights at the Grand Old Opry. His drug problems did not stop there. So he and June Carter Cash both had serious addiction problems. Oh, really? I didn't know June did. Really? No kidding. So Johnny Cash was in rehab in 83, 89, and 92. Oh, God. That song came out in 84. Yeah. He's um, probably all coked up. Yeah, and there's points where, like, June Carter was, like, Kids found her pass out on the floor. No kidding. Yeah, so she's not as innocent. They as, made her look. The, yeah, it's a movie. Yeah, it's so. a movie. Well, they only pr- played up to a certain point in their life. Yeah, was, and then they didn't get into like, okay, now I've been clean for ten years. Now what? Yeah, so yeah. I got some stuff on that too. But he, um, so by the mid nineties, though, John was clean, and he had all these health problems. He had like a broken jaw from like a. Like dental surgery, and mm. he couldn't take painkillers because yeah. he was so afraid of his sure. addiction problems. So he was just like dealing with the physical pain. He had like knee problems and all this kind of other stuff, and he couldn't take anything. And it becomes this overwhelming insurmount, like the pain he's in as his last 10 years of his life because he can't take anything else because he's trying to stay off the drugs. So Johnny Cash is pretty much washed up at this point. And he's like... um he goes and he plays at the Rhythm Cafe in Santa Ana, California for like 100 people. He's, it's hard to believe. Right? Yeah. The, the venue only holds 450 people. And he's playing like he's done. And he's kind of like, dude, I, I think I'm going to retire. He's struggling with – um. he thinks that his like – he's like, dude, I'm, my, this is my legacy. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. My record label doesn't care about me. I'm just going to retire. And Rick Rubin walks in. So Rick Rubin, man, if you don't know, Rick Rubin had produced – Slayer, Danzig, LL Cool J, the Beastie Boys. He was the guy behind like Def Jam Records, sure. right? And he decides at some point, listen to Johnny Cash. He's like, that man still has more to say. And he has this vision in his head that he is going to get, he's going to turn Johnny Cash's career around. And I, I, this is one of my favorite stories in rock and roll. And he, he sends a message to Johnny Cash at this show and goes, hey, man, I want to come back and meet you. And Johnny Cash doesn't really know who he is. Sure. He's heard the name, but he doesn't know. Yeah. And he said, Rick Rubin walked in. He said, he looked like a hippie and he dressed like a wino. <laughs> and Johnny, He still does. He still does. And Rick Rubin just says, hey, man, um, I, I, I have the quote. I just would like you to sit in my living room with a guitar and two microphones and sing to your heart's consent. Everything you ever wanted to record. I would just love to hear some of your favorite songs. And Johnny Cash is like, okay, what, what, do, what do you care? What do you care about me? How's yeah. this going to sell? And Rick Rubin goes, I don't think it's going to sell anything, dude. But I just want to hear from your heart yeah. <laughs> all this music that you you – I don't care what you play. I just think you have something else to say. And he convinces them like, okay, I think I'll give it a shot. And and But John doesn't want to do it because he's like, one, why does this guy – What's he? What's he want? What's he trying to get sure. out of me? And June Carter goes like, "This is crazy." And June Carter's daughter, uh, Roseanne Cash, the musician, she's like, "This is going to be exploitive, and you're going to be a parody." Yeah. Which when I read that, I'm like, "But you just did that Man in Black <laughs> yeah. video. Like, yeah. What's more exploitive?" Yeah. And and so Rick Rubin goes, "John, you don't believe in yourself, and but I believe in you, so give it a shot." And Johnny Cash just pretty much goes like, "I have nothing else to lose." Sure. So he agrees to do it. Great man, and it re- it brings his whole second career up, 
And it's some of my favorite Johnny Cash music. Uh, dude, I love yeah. this stuff that he did so It's a much. big deal. So, um, As much as I'm not a Rick Rubin fan, that's a great story. It, dude, and he, he tried it again with Neil Diamond. Oh, no. And it didn't, it didn't oh, work. Oh, no. Did it come out? He did. Yes. Oh, yeah, they released no. some stuff, like the same kind of stuff, like just these stripped down that's kind a horrible of stuff. thing. It's this thing. The Rick Rubin, what he does is he goes in and he strips everything down. And he lets the talent do a talent without any magic behind any any reverb, any this, anything like that. I mean, one of the other great albums that he did was Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Sure. You yeah. listen to that album and it's produced unbelievable. He doesn't interfere. I'll give him that. He doesn't interfere a lot with the artists. And apparently he doesn't do he much doesn't, for the artists. He doesn't show up yeah. for like months. Yeah. But you know, working with Johnny Cash, I'm sure he He's very hands on. Yeah. Was a Blood Sugar Sex Magic I, I have a tie into that later. He also produced like Wildflowers by Tom. That's Petty, right, yeah. And I have a tie into that as well. Um, even he produced Danzig. I have a tie into that. Yeah. Yeah, Danzig <laughs> gets involved in this story a little bit too. Maybe this is a good place to take a break. Awesome. And then we'll come back and we'll start diving into the music, man. Because there's there's so much shit in here. Like I'm, I'm getting so excited That's to talk about. Like there's so cool. much great stuff. All right, we'll be back. Stick around. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in the Cuskers. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Chunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. You think you know tea? You haven't tried Tiesta tea. I have a cup of hot tea in my hand at every episode, and I traded picking up a cup of generic tea from a local drive-thru for Tiesta tea, and man, what a difference. I'm drinking a cup of Blueberry Wild Child right now. Tiesta tea is loose leaf tea. Instead of that little bag of crushed tea powder, loose leaf tea uses the whole leaves, fruits, herbs, and spices. That means it has a lot more flavor and more health benefits. I know about as much about caffeinated beverages as I do about music, and that's a lot. If you want to try Tiesta Tea, you can go to TiestaTea.com and use promo code PRISONER15. You'll get 15% off your purchase. That's PRISONER15. How about that? We're giving you something just for listening. Tiesta Tea. Once you go loose, you'll never go bagged. We're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much for sticking with us. So we're, Johnny Cash has agreed to do some stuff with Rick Rubin. And I'm going to talk a little bit about these recording sessions before we get into the music. So Johnny Cash had actually never done anything like this before he'd hmm. never he'd always had a band he'd never just done this acoustic stuff they said like when rick rubin starts with an artist he likes talking to them a lot and he said that johnny cash isn't a talker so he would just um he agreed to go to rick rubin's house and he just was like dude here's the guitar and just start playing and he said like rick rubin didn't even turn on the recording equipment he was like just just play Sure, and he said that Johnny Cash was playing like old country western songs and gospel and all this like funny songs and all this stuff. And Rick Rubin at some point was kind of like leaning over and like, I have to turn this, dude. I have to turn this on. Yeah, you know, it made me feel like um, we were doing the blues episode and we talked about that guy that drove like all down the south and recorded yeah. all those people. He was kind of like. He realized what was going on, and he's like, "I have to record this," which is just it was catching awesome. lightning in a bottle, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, is that what he put out? Is that what the first recordings were? Is that, him, some of it, yes. Him so, just sitting around. So yeah, and and at some point, so Rick Rubin turns on the the recording studio, the recording equipment, and Johnny Cash starts saying that 
these sessions were the closest he ever felt to Sun Records. He said, like, when he walked into Sun Records, Sam Phillips was like, son, you sit down and let me hear what you have, what you could do. Yeah. It's it. That's in Walk the Line. Yeah. He's like, let yeah. me hear it. And he does uh, Cry, Cry, Cry and Folsom Prison. He's like, he was like that. But he was, but in the hindsight of, like, he's been around for 50 years, and everyone thought he was a... He a, lost his edge, basically. Yeah, and yeah. everyone thought he was a has-been, and Rick Rubin was just like, open up your heart, man. What do you feel? Yeah. And it was like, holy shit. It, is, it was great. So then, so John starts playing all the stuff, and they, they recorded all of it. And then Rick Rubin starts saying, like, okay, this is great, and he starts trying to steer him a little bit. And he's like, well, what if you play a song from this... What do you like? A, play this song from another artist. And he said he would either... Um, he would have other artists actually come in and play a song for him. Like, John, you like this? Would you play it? And the best, he called Glenn fucking Danzig. <laughs> he called Danzig and was like, because Rick Rubin knows everybody. Sure. And he's like, Rick Rubin calls Danzig and goes, hey, man, do you know who Johnny Cash is? And Danzig's like, I wrote the quote. Danzig says, fuck yes, I know who Johnny <laughs> Cash is. So then Rick Rubin asked him to write a song. And Rick Rubin writes a song, or uh, Danzig wrote a song called 13. That Johnny Cash winds up recording. It's on the first huh. American album. Hang on, let me. It's not really a cover. No, but let's hear it. But yeah. it's a Danzig song yeah. that, that he wrote for Johnny Cash. Interesting. Bad luck, wind been blowing at my back. I was born to bring trouble to wherever I'm at Got the number 13 tattooed on my neck When the ink starts to itch, then the black will turn to red I know nothing about this song. Like, Holy yeah, shit. I've heard Dude, that song before. I heard yeah. that is some fucking great so, stuff. But, but here you go. You got Glenn Danzing writing a song for this persona of Johnny Cash but and what Johnny Cash should sound like now. Right. But if you, you mean, just it's heard brilliant. that, like, yeah. you just hear those lyrics, that's outlaw oh, yeah. Johnny Cash. Absolutely. And, and pay attention to his voice because by the end when we hear this stuff, his voice, like he's it's so a little shaky. Ill. Yeah, it's shaky. Yeah. So and which I think is one of the but it paints a, it paints a beautiful picture because he's this old man and his voice is so shaky and he's singing these yes. songs like it's really yes. eerie and beautiful Dude, at the same time. Yes, it's 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 scary and powerful. Yeah, it feels a little exploitive. Like you're you're watching him, you're listening to him get progressively sicker, but it's beautiful at the same time. Absolutely. So and then word gets out. So then like so Danzig writes his song. Johnny Cash also. Uh, Tom Waits sends in a song, and then he covers a Leonard Cohen song on his album. And I, I love Leonard Cohen. Mm. I'm not going to play it because I don't think it's a great song. And then as John, and this episode is about covers, but as John gets comfortable, then he goes like, "Well, I have these other songs that I've written that I didn't want to put on, put out on Mercury because they don't give a shit about me." Mm. And he has this original content, and then he plays a show. He's he's recording all this stuff, and Rick Rubin goes, "You have to do a concert." Yeah. And Rick Rubin books him a show at the Viper Room nice. in L.A. And if you guys know any of this, man, please. I'm, I'm no, I don't. No, it it sounds about. a little familiar. I can't no, lie. I know nothing about yes. this, and I'm intrigued. Okay, I, 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 I was. I could do this whole show. Classes in session. So, yeah. All right. So Rick Rubin books a show at the Viper Room. Vi the Viper Room in California is owned by Johnny Depp, mm -hmm. and it's for a hundred. He books it for hundred and fifty people, and Johnny Cash is 
terrified. He's never played a show by himself, an acoustic show without a mm. band. And he has this 20 years of like, I'm a has-been weighing sure. on his shoulders. So Johnny Depp actually gets up and introduces him at the show. Tom Petty is in the audience. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are in the audience. Sean Penn and Juliette Lewis. It's a lot of celebrity. I was going to say, like, who? Probably all. Everybody, yeah. everybody who's anybody is probably in that crowd. So John has a, has a set list. He has a 45-minute set list in front of him. And he plays it. And the crowd goes batshit. Wow. And he's standing there. And the crowd's going crazy. He doesn't know what to do. And June is in the front row, and he leans. He gets down on one, and he leans over and goes like, "What do I do now?" And she's like, "Play all the other hits that you've ever written." Yeah. But he gets back up and he plays more. He plays all like Sounds Hills amazing. Prison and all this other. Kind do they of have stuff. a recording of this? No. Oh, that's no, 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 a shame. No, no, no. no. They oh. do. Okay. So some of the songs from this session wind up on the first album that comes out, the American album. Very cool from the live so, show. Right. Nice. But but. Up until now, Johnny Cash has been playing these shitty venues to a bunch of old people, and he was miserable. And he said when he walked off that stage, he was like, I'm alive. I'm alive, and I'm back. Nice. And a couple of those songs come on the American One album. So the American One, American Recordings One album comes out. It came out in April of 94. It had four originals on it. The rest were covers. It only sells like 236,000 copies doesn't do a lot mm-hmm. but it's the best-selling album he's had since 1971 wow so it's like 25 years rolling stone had not even reviewed one of his albums in 20 years they didn't even give a shit this one got five stars wow. because, uh, yeah who's attached to it like rick rubens attached to it like right. you know yeah but ultimately it was all, it was great. It was all him it yeah. was yeah. yeah it was great it was good enough for five stars yeah. Right. And that's Rolling Stone magazine giving right. it five stars. So and look at the like the cover is he's standing there in like a, a black duster yeah. and two dogs like and he just looks like the outlaw. Yeah. And you're like, Holy shit, John is back. The world was ready for him to come back, for him to be the man in black for where the um where the world was at at that time. Like you said, like he's at the Viper Room, he's in California. You have all the, like like these vampires hanging around them, like, you know, it's like setting it like a scene for him. Like he's creating this persona again or the persona was always there but he's tapping back into it he's lazarus rising up from the dead yeah and he i have another quote from him he goes i was worried i had blown everything by not treating my music seriously for all these years but rick rubin made me think that i might have a legacy after all and another interesting wrinkle of this was like zuropa yeah from u2 comes out right a little before this and he's on he does a song on zuropa so he goes out to um, – he meets U2. U2 is like they're in Tennessee. And they come to his house mm-hmm. for dinner one night. He has Bono and I think it was Adam Clayton over his house for dinner. And they all sit around and they say grace. And Bono is all – and Johnny Cash had always said like he thought Bono kind of had that um, same kind of like edge to him but was also like cared about people. Like Johnny Cash was – Johnny Cash sure. was like, you know, son, you and I kind of have a the same kind of vibe. And – uh they're, they're all saying grace, and uh, Bono tells a story. He's like, they all held hands, and they said grace, and John was like, you know, bless his Lord, and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm a man of God now. He's like, but man, I miss the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and but, but So you 2 invites him to cut a track on Zeropa, okay. and Zeropa came out a little bit before this Johnny Cash. So people were like, oh, man, who is that guy on Zeropa? That's Johnny Cash. So then 
the Johnny Cash album one, the American Recordings one come out, and Zeropa kind of helps it. Oh get, wow! Get oh wow! I didn't know that. So yeah. I didn't even. I I don't like the album. Zeropa. Zeropa wasn't even a big a big deal when it came out. It was more of an art project when it came out. Yeah. Hey, well, cause why don't we play that? Where's a? I don't even know what song it is, and I had it on my notes. The Wanderer. I went out walking through streets paved with gold. Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. Okay. So, yeah. You know, not not crazy about it, but that helped him. And then, so the album comes out, and then Rick Rubin decides like that he's going to go on a publicity tour, and he gets John to go play South by Southwest, and he also uh, plays a set at Glastonbury in Scotland. And Johnny Cash said the reception he got at Blast- Glastonbury was the single greatest highlight sure. of his entire career. Sure. What is Glastonbury? Like the big, it's a big music festival in Scotland. Is that is that the, that's not the no, next Castle Donington. Glastonbury is a five-day music festival that takes place in England every year. Okay. So it's kind of maybe like an annual Woodstock gotcha. kind, of, cool. kind of thing. So he, cool. has, he has this huge thing, and he plays the Viper Room. And um, I, we didn't have any songs on the playlist out of this, this first album, but we just, you know, we just played the song from Danzig. So then two years later, John and, and Rick Rubin both decide, like, they're go- we have to keep this train rolling. We're going to sure. play another album. And... John wants to play, wants to release more stuff from all these sessions. And Rick Rubin goes like, no, dude, you need a band. You got to have a band this time. Yeah. And Johnny Cash has kind of gotten accustomed to playing without a band. And Rick Rubin, he's like, I don't have a band. And Rick Rubin goes, I got one. Yeah, no problem. Got a bunch of them for you. Right. So, and the band is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Nice. So, and Tom Petty actually plays, he plays bass on the, on the, I think they, I read that like the Heartbreakers bassist was like, Dating John's daughter, or he, there was some like there was some falling out from like family who, stuff. I wonder if it was who what was Howie. his name Howie. Yeah, Howie was a had a rough paper route. I don't know if it, I don't know. I don't know. So so Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are the back and the album's called Unchained, but it's it's also American Recordings number two, and it comes out in ninety six. And um, oh, well, so the first one, the first American album gets. Uh, folk album of the year it gets a Grammy. So the second album comes out and it wins a Grammy for country album of the year. And, and Johnny Cash takes that. You've all seen that famous picture of him giving the middle finger. Mm. He takes a full page ad out of Billboard of him giving that picture, and it says American Recordings and Johnny Cash would like to acknowledge the Nashville Music Establishment and Country Radio for your your support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. So, like, Jesus. Now, now, like, the outlaw is, is totally yeah. back. And I just like, dude, this, and I, I know you guys have a picture of that, the middle finger. I have, yeah. I have it up in my house. And you have it's it in it's the, upstairs. It's, it's in the bar, yeah, too. Yeah. It's, dude, it's, it's awesome. It's, so, a, it's, a, it's like a, a meaningful thing to me. You know, I wake up every day and I look at Johnny Cash flipping the, the, flipping so the bird. He's in his late 60s. And yeah. He's giving a fuck you to Nashville. It's the attitude. So, it's the attitude. Um, yeah. Some other interesting artists appear on this out. Like Flea plays yeah. on it. Lindsay Buckingham and Mick Fleawood are on it. But the interesting song that was on the playlist was Rusty Cage. Yeah. What a great version that is. Holy shit. All right, I'm going to shut up because I've been talking for 15 yeah. minutes. So. <laughs> I'm, learning yeah. I'm learning a lot here. I'm learning a lot. 
You, uh, let's play some Rusty Cage. You tied my lead and pulled my chain to watch my blood begin to boil. But I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage and run. It's so awesome. Yeah, it's the it's definitely the weirdest cover he does. I don't think so. I think no. it, it's self-explanatory for him. Like it's a metaphor for his whole life. You know, he's, yeah. It, 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 I mean, that is like if I said Johnny Cash is covering Soundgarden, you're like, sure, that's bizarre. Oh, sure. And but he, um, but sorry, I think it, I think it fits right perfectly for him though. The words are great for him. But a um, on a side note, when Chris Cornell was working on this project with Rick Rubin and Johnny Cash, he had to like rewrite the the song for John to sing. So Rick Rubin goes up to him and he says to Chris Cornell, he's like, you know, the guys from Rage Against the Machine. They're looking for a singer. You should go do that. Oh, really? It came out of this? Yeah. No I actually heard an interview years ago that Pierre Robert did with Chris Cornell. He told the story. And that's how Audio Slave came around. And he, his thing, Chris Cornell said, when Rick Rubin tells you to go do something, you should go do it. He's like, you definitely should go do it. Hmm. So that's how that band became from yeah, these I, sessions. I heard it like, so Rick Rubin suggests a song to John and John doesn't isn't sure and i guess tom petty was kind of hanging out at the time mm-hmm. and he was like dude you lost your mind suggesting this yeah and rick rubin who is not a musician he picks up a guitar and he starts like playing it and trying to he's like no this is what it would sing like and that convinces johnny cash to go like okay i'll give it a shot mm. it, it, it works it's it's really there's cool. a few verses in there that he says and it's like he's like a junkyard dog man yeah like there's something about him like the version of one, the, the his cover of one is like that too. It's just a yeah. totally different, different vibe. Do you think that he actually listened to the original recordings before he recorded these songs, or they just kind of approached not, him with maybe not the Soundgarden? Yeah. Maybe they sat him down, like, okay, yeah. here's this Soundgarden yeah. song, but we wanted you to do it like this. Yeah. yeah, but Chris Cornell, he actually rewrote the song for him. Like the I don't know who's playing the instruments in that particular song or the guitar anyway, but um, yeah, I I don't know. I was just wondering if he sat down and listened to any of the original recordings. No, oh, it's Mike Campbell. The, was Mike Campbell the, playing from, on there? Yeah, from the, nice. the Heartbreakers. Nice. That makes sense because they're the back yeah. band. Um, country, the country guy, Marty Stewart, plays a lot of stuff too. He's a mm. real famous country musician. So that's the big, that's the, the, the big song that comes out of American 2. And then American 3 comes out in 2003. And by now, Johnny Cash is really sick. And he... Uh, he had to cancel a lot of the recording sessions because he was in so much pain. But a couple of the ways that Rick Rubin would work now was he would make mix CDs of songs. Like Rick Rubin was like, he would go home and he would listen to like everything he could. Yeah. And if you heard a song, he would burn it on a CD and he would send Johnny Cash these mix CDs just to try to get his reaction. Like, what about this? What about that? What about this? And, um, so there was a couple songs. There's, Three songs on here that we were going to talk about. The first one was um, I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. What a great version this yeah. is. All right, so here's I Won't Back Down, the, the Johnny Cash cover. Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up 
at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Gonna stand. I mean, you hear the pain in his voice. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you can. What is more outlaw than, like, you can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down? Like, that's Johnny Cash, yeah. man. And you know, it's great, like, noticing, listening to the song. I don't, I wonder how many takes they would take to record. It doesn't sound like they took many. Like, you know, made them do it over and over yeah. again. They probably went, like, line by line. Yeah. Like, let's do this first. And then they glued on. Yeah, because he was so verse. ill, you know. So later, later they did that. I think they actually, they said, uh, the next, the next album for the American four. They were actually splicing together like phrases because mm-hmm. he was so sick. But some of the earlier stuff, Rick Rubin said that Johnny Cash was starting to try to like perform the songs mm-hmm. instead of sing the songs. Yeah. He was like, no, like stop it. Concentrate on yeah, you gotta singing be, it. Like, yeah. be, be honest and be straight about it. Yeah. It, dude, I, I I love that Tom Petty song. Me too. But I yeah. love the Johnny Cash. It gives version. it more more purpose to me. Like, I've been listening to it for the last couple of weeks now, and it, it gives me more of an uplifting feeling. Yeah. Johnny Cash sing it more than Tom Petty. And like, even like the tone of the guitar, like the, the key that they're in, it's a very bright key that like the tone, of the guitars and it's very not what John did throughout his career, you know, but that's, you know, the song, this Tom Petty and heartbreakers, you know, I like how like, you know, it's just, it's just a different sound for him. It's a brighter sound. I like how Johnny Cash is his phrasing in it. And he just sounds broken down, and he's this old man, but I won't back down. Like he's this broken down old man, but he's not going to back down. Yeah, he's it's pretty rad. He knows he's at the end of the line, right? He he yeah. knows he's mm. he's almost he's going to die. Yeah, you're right, and he's still this kind of defiant person. I I, I just I love it. I yeah. just it's I can't think of another musician where it's just it, it that's been captured like this. I don't think there's many that can do it. I mean. Somebody like Johnny Cash, only somebody like Johnny Cash could do that. Yeah. Another song that was was on here was, you know, following up from the uh, uh, the, the, the thing about him having Bono and Adam Clayton over for dinner was the cover of One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, another one, man. It's like the line, like, did I disappoint you or did I leave a bad taste in your mouth? I was like, shit. Like, just the way he says it, man. Yeah. It's just like. Damn. Everything he says of these other people's songs, I believe him more when he says it. It's true. It's very you true. Know? Yeah. And it's brilliant. Like, you know, for I guess it would be on Rick Rubin's end to be like to present Johnny with these songs. Like, oh, we think that this would be ideal for you to do this song for where you're at in your life. Like, this would yeah. make more sense. This is like, because, you know, he's coming toward the end of his life. But, like, you know, we'll get to the other song, the big song later. But um, this is just putting the i don't know the staple into the book i don't yeah, i don't know I how think, to explain it you know i, I wonder if, if rick the, rubin gave him some guidance or he just abs- said here's think, the song and, i think so and john just went and said like this yeah. is my interpretation yeah. of it i don't know but like you know there's like when he when rick rubin originally approached him like you want to do what that's not okay i trust you if you think i should do this song you got who tom knows? petty sitting there who yeah knows? Who knows? that's what i'm saying just talking you know who knows yeah all right let's play a little bit of this too i, I love this version of this song too if you don't care for it Did I disappoint you Or leave a bad taste in your mouth You 
back like you never had love And you want me to go without it's so truthful. His yeah, versions right. of these songs are so truthful. It's just right. It's just honest. And it's just like one of these, I sent you a, a link this week and I was like, dude, this song hits like a fucking truck. Yeah. yeah. You know, it just, it's so honest and raw. It's it, just, you know, from, I haven't heard this version in a very long time, but it's kind of like a breath of fresh air from hearing that song a million times by you two. And, um, honestly, I, the musicianship is a lot to my taste is a lot better than you two. No, no, been just, the edge, yeah, but like, but what with? It, it's was like, it? It's like yeah, but the, the guitar work in there is really fucking good, man. Yeah, like it's probably Mike Campbell. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's Mike Campbell, but it's kind of like a breath of fresh air from hearing that. I never need to hear that song ever again in my life. But I, that's breath. That's a fresh. Like it, it's, it's great. It's, it's you know? really different. The yeah. instrumentation yeah. is really different. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's as one of his better ones. No, neither why. But I just think the, the musicianship it, is no. I I think it's okay. I, I like I mean, the interpretation of it. Yeah. I like what the words are and how he sings yeah. the words. I'm not thinking much of the musicianship at all on it. It's okay. so you're just listening to his voice. I think that's the only purpose of this. Of this I get is you. to listen I hear to you, his voice. Johnny Cash. Yeah, it's different. It's not mm. as um. It's not as like sparse musically. It's yeah. like the first album that we heard. Like mm-hmm. there's more. That first one's like a folk album. It, it's there's just more going on here. But anyway. Um, so I had, I had one last song on this album. It wasn't on the initial playlist, and that was Mercy Seat. This is the song Ryan I sent to, I sent you this week. So Mercy Seat is a a Nick Cave song, and I really like Nick Cave. Nick Cave is kind of hard to get into. He's a little I don't know who he is. He's, he's yeah. The Bad Aust- Seed. Yeah, Nick 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 Cave and the Bad Seed. He's an Australian alternative artist. He's a little okay. out there. All right. But Rick Rubin saw Nick Cave in concert. And when he heard Nick Cave sing this song called Mercy Seed, he was like, Johnny Cash has to do this. It's a song about a prisoner who is defiantly sitting on the electric chair <laughs> waiting for to be executed. And he's thinking about God. And when Nick Cave uh, or when Johnny Cash heard it, he was like, dude, I don't know if I can do this. It's like it's a really complicated song. Let me let me play a little bit of the Nick Cave version, which I'm not a huge fan of, but. Okay. I never I, I was waiting for the song to start for the longest time. Yeah. So here's the Johnny Cash version. Tooth for a tooth, and anyway I told the truth, and I'm not afraid to die. I hear stories from the chamber. Christ was born into a manger, and like some ragged stranger, he died upon the cross. Might I say it seems so fitting in its way he was a carpenter by trade, or at least that's what I'm told. Great song. Yeah, great song. Like the lyrics, man. Dude, that is John. Like a prisoner waiting to be executed, talking about God. That's that's right up Johnny's alley. Yeah. Outlaw. And then the K version. But I I couldn't really. Yeah, I was like, what the hell? What is this? I was waiting for the longest time for the song to start. I'm like, oh, this is the song. He's he's real eccentric. Yeah. Yeah. But that's great, though. Like, that's. 
fantastic. So so Johnny Cash was like he struggled with that for a long time. He was like he couldn't figure out how to make it work. And yeah. when he finally did, he was like, I got it. Yeah. And he was like, Oh my God, this needs to open the album. And Rick Rubin was actually like, The song is too heavy. Yeah. Mm. You can't like too heavy like lyrically and content. Mm. He's like, yeah. You can't open the album because everything else would be a drag. Yeah. I think so, that's a be a great opener. Absolutely, dude, holy shit! Awesome. Tooth yeah, for a tooth, eye for an eye. Yeah, dude, it's all aw- that. That's Johnny Cash outlaw. Like, yeah, you yeah. Think of him with the duster and the bad. Like, I I loved it, and I I didn't really know that song that much. I never even heard it. I didn't, I know yeah. nothing about Nick Cave. Yeah, so yeah. I I like Nick Cave. I said you got to be in the mood to really. Listen <laughs> I'm to sure him. I would like him. I just know nothing about he's him. Dude, he's put like 800 albums out, and he's like some of his stuff is like that, like really yeah. eccentric, but. That was American Three, and American American Three came out in two thousand and three. That album cracks the top one hundred. Nice. So each one's getting a little bigger and bigger. And then American Four, the out. Al- this is the last album that Johnny Cash put out when he was alive. Hmm. Comes out in November two thousand two. The uh, American Four, also called "When the Man Comes Around," which that's a original song, but that song fucking rocks. Yes, it does. Dude, when the man it's, comes around, yeah. it's an awesome Johnny Cash. That's a song. great song. He is so sick at this point that he is like splicing together phrases from different the producers are putting together he's almost blind oh well. he's in the hospital a couple really? times uh june is really sick so he's yeah. he's barely hanging on man and this is some of like the most emotional raw stuff so ryan you had three songs on here the first one was um in my life which is amazing dude it's 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 you know john lennon wrote this song at a young age but when Johnny Cash sings it. It's it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, let's play a little bit of it, dude. This is heavy. All these it is songs it are, is a heavy, really heavy. And some remain. All these places have their moments with lovers and friends. I still can recall. Some are dead. And some are living In my life I've loved them all I think it's one of my favorite songs ever. Yeah. And to hear his version of it is... It's it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. It's like, even though he didn't write the song... It's like his goodbye. It le- it's his goodbye letter. Yeah, it seems like that way. And there, like we said, I said this when I was playing. Like, there's like a fragility in his voice because he's, he's yeah dying. He's, he's dying in a couple within a year. He's he's passed away and he's yeah, so sick. Yeah, and he's still making all this music, yeah. beautiful and, music. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's just it's really like important music. Yeah, like it wasn't like he was just putting like albums out. He's putting important music out. This is important stuff. Yeah, dude, it, it's like you get this glimpse into his like the the farewell of his life. Yeah, it's right? beautiful. It's like, right, yeah. it's beautiful. They know what they're doing when they're putting this together. They know what they're doing. They do, but yeah. it, it doesn't feel exploitive. No, you know, it's not, not at like, all. It's truthful. Yeah, it, it is, and I think he felt that way too. Yeah. Like reading about it. Yeah, like you know, he's not just some old man or like. Oh, let's record a couple more albums to get some more money out of you. Like, it feels like this is what he wants to do. But this is like the pure, like you said, the, the money thing. This is just the pure art of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, these are the songs, like, because he did like a lot of covers and it's like, yeah, but this is money, just, per- yeah, it's money. just, it's nothing. But this yeah. is just let's, perfect for the end of his life. It's like, let's put something out that counts. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Really, really heavy stuff, man. All right. So the next song I had on here was Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. 
I dude, I love this. I I love the original version, but he too. does he kicks the shit out of yeah. it. He makes it a that's uh, great. He said he heard it and he was like, "Okay, this version is cool. This is a gospel song." Mm-hmm. And the the guitar riff that you hear in this, uh, John Frusciante from the Chili Peppers mm-hmm. wrote wrote the guitar riff. Oh he, wow! He made it the acoustic song. Depeche Mode also said no one ever asked him their permission <laughs> to do this, and he said they uh, Fuck they said, "Well, when you're." When you're thinking of somebody of Johnny Cash's caliber, caliber, you don't bother to ask permission yeah. anyway. So they were cool with it. They were like, nobody asks us. But here's personal Jesus. This is awesome. Your own personal Jesus. Someone to hear your prayers. Someone who's there. Feeling unknown and you're all alone Flesh and bone by the telephone Lift up the receiver, I'll make you a believer The the, the piano almost has like a, like a bar like a Yeah, it's a honky-tonk like song a, yeah. Right, like a, yeah, like a western kind of vibe to it And just, yeah, like you walk into the bar Back yeah. in, in the uh, western Yeah like The piano player with the beer Sitting on top yeah, of the piano, right, right, right. But you can hear like with Johnny, he's really into this song. He's really Isn't like it? feeling it. He's really like I, I could picture him just like kind of, like if he's able to bop his head at that point, like you know that healthy, like we you know whatever. Yeah. But he's really into this, especially the first verse. And he'd always been a man of God. Yeah. So that he's the, feeling it. The mo, yeah. the, the the you know personal Jesus, that whole motif of it probably yeah. really stuck with him. And then the last, so the last song. That was on American Four was hurt. Humongous hit, like, right? This so, was a humongous hit. Let's just play it. All right. What have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end. And you could have it all My empire of dirt I will let you down I will make you I'm speechless. Like yeah. I, I've heard that a million when times. When he says I would it say I I hurt I cut myself today to see if I still feel I believe him when he said it. When, when Trent Reznor says it, it sounds like he's some pompous little pussy fucking saying yeah, something. So, but when Johnny mm. Cash sings it, it's different. So after Johnny Cash covered that Mercy Seat song, mm-hmm. Rick Rubin was like, I want to push you more. Yeah. And he's like, we got to do other stuff. And when I said that he made those um those mix CDs, and sent it, he said he put this on here like – Three CDs in a row. Yeah. And Johnny Cash never said a word. He said he never would ask Johnny Cash. Right. Like, well, what do you think about this? Because it's perfect. Yeah. He just and, kept them subliminally kept putting it in there. Yeah. And he finally was like, okay, I got to ask, what what, yeah. what about this? And he didn't want to do it. And really? He kept pushing him like, please, just try it. Trust me, man. Like, you listen to me on Rusty Cage. You listen to me on, yeah. on the Nick Trust Cage me. Song. Trust me. And he said that 
I swear to God, man, it, there were three th- three songs that Rick Rubin said you need to do. It was this or Creep by Radiohead. It's a good one. Or Losing My Religion by R.E.M. Oh, thank God he didn't do that. Didn't do I that. know, right? It'd be interesting to hear it, though. Be- yeah. but, but Johnny Cash kept saying, like, I can't make this song my own, and he finally did. He did. And it's like... I think he gave it justice. Yeah. I think it's the perfect song to go out on for Dude, him. Yeah. Right, because it's, it's his farewell. Yeah, it right? is. It's, it's his farewell to his fans, to everybody. And the video, I mean, you've all, if you haven't seen the video, shame on you why you're listening to the show. Just pause it and go listen to it. But it's like, you know, he's got these clips of like his early life yeah. and his later life. And the moment when like, when June Carter gets on the stairs, like mm. she wasn't supposed to be in the video. They were yeah. shooting and she was there and she came out on the stairs. And then that look on her face, like it's right when he says like everyone I know in the end die or everyone, uh, Everyone I know goes away in the end, and she has this look, and her face kind of goes sideways. She's looking at him with this longing. I was like, dude, it just it's haunting. Yeah. yeah, 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 right, dude. I was like, man, like, and if you go to the Johnny Cash Museum in Nashville, yeah, was, yeah. you go through the whole exhibit, and the last exhibit is a monitor of this playing on a loop, and it's right next to the letter that Johnny Cash wrote to June Carter after she died. Yeah, dude, and I, I, and the walls there too. The wall the, that the he, wall the that wall he, that he recorded in front yes. of the video anyway. That that yeah. wall's in there too. And there's like the, some pictures of like the House of Cash yeah. the museum, is it? But and that I, letter though, I read that letter when I, I was there. I last time I went there, man, I walked through it and I sat there and I, I said I've seen the video a million times. Yeah. I watched the whole thing, and my wife was a, a little bit behind me. And I stood there and I just cried watching. I was like, "Yeah, dude, it powerful stuff." Yeah, man. it's yeah. just amazing. In the, uh, it's a perfect ending. It's the perfect ending to his life. There was, I'm sorry, but, not there's like there's music career. No, right, right. there's music career. But like even that song sounds how much pain he's in. Yes, yeah. it's, it's it's yeah, it's you can the hear pain. It. Yeah, and we were just talking about like the end of it. Like it it gets distorted because he's banging on the piano. Yeah, and it gets out of focus. Like um. And Rick Rubin even said, like, when when the video was done and they all they cut it and he saw it, Rick Rubin said, like, wow. He's like, but it's not a good wow. It's like, I'm emotionally upset wow. Yeah. And he said, like, John even showed it to, like, his family. And they were all, like, on the fence about, like, dude, this might be too much. Yeah. Like, it's so powerful. Even June Carter was like, don't don't release this. Yeah. It's too much. And uh, his, his daughter, Roseanne Carter Cash said it it made her cry but she was like no you 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 have to play. it's yeah, important it's, i thought yeah. it was very important it's, it's, absolutely it's culturally yeah. important yes even i mean you if you see the video at the beginning he's holding a guitar you could see his hand up on the on the neck his hand is shaking because he's so he's so and he's singing out of the side of his mouth because mm-hmm. he's just he's so ill and even june is like she's not like front and center of pop culture anymore yeah right like you she was very attractive in the early and you see her like dude she's she's old and she dies before he does a couple yeah. months not yeah not very long before he died yeah and and she looks like she's gonna cry yeah looking at him and um even the the video is in the the museum and they show like the ceilings falling down and the records are broken that's how that was. Like he had a museum called the House of Cash that was closed, right? And they just performed. They just recorded us in it, and it was all just falling apart. And they just well, but, wait a minute. It was his house growing up. The House of Cash. I think it was just a museum that he had opened, and, they, and, it, and, and it, it was like falling apart, kind yeah, of. Thing. I remember. Yeah. I remember the video, but didn't know it was like some kind of. 
it was a it was a house in a museum in Hendersonville, so it was right where he never lived there. He lived nearby, but it became like kind of a touristy thing. And um near the end of his life it just started falling apart. Actually, uh Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees wound up buying it after Johnny. Oh, Cash. that's right. Yeah, that's he the did. one that burned down. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But uh But with no that idea. video, like everything falling down, like, you know, I guess the interpretation of the thing is like, you know, this is it. This is the end of life. None of this shit matters. Like these records, these gold records, this, that, that, that. It's, I mean, it's just you and the man at the end of the day, yeah. you know. And, and juxtaposed with like the pictures of him, like younger him, like hugging June, or yeah, he's, I don't know. At one point, he's like walking down a railroad track, or there's some like movie clips in there. Or, like, dude, it's just it's great. It's heavy, man. And, and uh, I guess I always read the story that Trent Reznor, when he heard it, he was like, "This isn't my song anymore. No. This is Johnny Cash's yeah. song." I never. I always enjoyed. The Trent Reznor version, but the version of it on the album Downward Spiral isn't that fucking great. Like it's sounding, it's kind of like not that great yeah. sounding. The words you can't, you could barely make the words out. Yeah, and it. that that his version is about like his heroin addiction, mm-hmm. and this is just totally something totally different. different. Yeah. It's just man to think about his amazing career and all the ups and downs, and then he hits you with this at the end. And yeah, you're just like, it's perfect. Dude, right, it is it's perfect. It's a, it's a perfect send off, perfect ending. Um, and then this album, you know, he it sells a million and a half copies. This was the, you know, this was like the number one video ever. It was, <clears throat> it was on all these lists because then he he passed away. So the album came out in November two thousand two. Uh, June Carter died in May two thousand three. But at, as she was dying, she told Johnny Cash to keep recording. She's like, mm-hmm. "Don't give up," and he recorded sixty more songs. Really? Wow. And Johnny Cash even said to Rick Rubin, like, you got to keep me busy because without June, I'm going to die. Yeah. And you always heard that. And he was like in a wheelchair at this point. Mm-hmm. And you always heard that, like, he died of heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She, she yeah. I mean, like, I, this, yeah, it's beautiful by itself. Right. Like, this, it really is. Right. The story of them just, you know, and he dies four months later. Yeah. And um, Rick Rubin wound up releasing three more albums after he after Johnny Cash died. There was American Five, American Six, and then there's a box set called uh, Unearth. But Rick Rubin said all that stuff, those sixty songs, he said he couldn't listen to them for like two years because yeah. it was so pain. It was so he was so emotionally attached to yeah, it all. It was so powerful. And um, I guess there's one last note, man. Before we, I got a couple. We'll play a couple songs from the Unearth box set, but. Um, Rick Rubin is not a very religious man, but he said he took communion with Johnny Cash every day. And awesome. Johnny Cash is, was a very religious yeah. person. It was and Johnny as their friendship developed, hmm. which is really really cool that he seems like they learn things from each other. I guess, yeah, you know. And it's like I, I just love that juxtaposition of like the guy who produced Slayer and the Beastie Boys. And this old man, it's a beautiful thing. It really like yeah. and they that they came together and they they made all this amazing music and this resurgence and the cultural impact that Johnny Cash had in the last ten years. It just it's awesome. I never knew all this about Rick Rubin because I'm not the biggest Rick Rubin fan there is because of his personality and, and stories you hear. But this kind of like pulled him out of the ground for me a little bit. So. I'm sorry yeah. I said everything, again, anything I ever I, said bad about I, you. Again, I think what Rick Rubin does is great. He just lets the act be their act, and he strips it fully down, and he just pushes record. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what a producer is supposed to do. Yeah. Like, let's strip it down, and let's get the talent fresh. Yeah. Raw. So I got – there's uh, two other songs that are on here that uh, from the box set. Uh, the first one was Redemption Song. 
which was Bob Marley's song, mm-hmm. but he recorded it with Joe Strummer from The Clash. And I guess the story was that Johnny Cash was was out in L.A. Joe Strummer was out there on vacation, and he extended his vacation to go see Johnny Cash nice. perform. And then they just started talking about music, and I guess Rick Rubin was probably in the corner, like salivating, like, "Sure, guys gonna we're going to make you know, this happen. Let's do a song. Let's do a song." So they recorded Redemption Song by Bob Marley, which it is beautiful. This is a great version. And I, I never knew this, but Tom Morello, Fringe Against the Machine, is the guitar player mm-hmm. on this. But let me just let me just play it. After they took I from the bottomless pit, how long shall they kill our prophets while we stand aside and look? Yes, some say it's just a part of it. We've got to fulfill the book So won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Beautiful, man. It's great. It's awesome. I've always liked that. Like the Clash and Johnny Cash together. The Clash, Clash and Johnny Cash. Cash. It's just amazing. Another song was on the box set was uh, You Are My Sunshine. Which is fucking amazing on here it doesn't you don't think much of it when you go oh, he did my only sunshine i don't i never heard this it's it's beautiful so i bowed my head and i cry you are my sunshine my only sunshine you make me happy when skies are gray You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. I mean, it's That's crazy. It's I think it's one of the first songs that you learn as a kid. Yeah, you know, and it's it's. It, I always love that. So I have a deep thing with that song with my father. It's it's an inside joke with with me and him. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that song, he, they have. Uh, Johnny Cash talking to Rick Rubin. Can we hear it a little bit? Yeah, of that? sure. You want to uh, pick it up? That's no, all right. It's cool. We got a short version. Might have that other verse on that other take. Uh-huh. Well, what do you well, want to do? One that did that. Let's. Um, well, if I feel like my song is sung, it don't care. <laughs> I don't care if it's short. And I feel like my song is sung. It was two minutes. I've recorded songs two minutes. Have you got uh, time on that? Dude, there's stuff on this box set that I can't listen to because knowing that he recorded it after June, June died. died. I'm going to have to like, listen to this. I'm intrigued. You Are My Sunshine, there's a song in here like Where We'll Never Grow Old. There's a lot of like uh, the Christian songs on here, hmm. and it's just... It's, Sad it's, stuff. It's yeah. too much. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, it's just it's just yeah, really the, heavy stuff. Yeah, Johnny Cash had a long life. Yeah, and you know when you did. when you live a long life, you kind of expire little by little. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I think the songs that we talked about that Rick Rubin did with him really captured the end of his life. Yeah. All right. I I had two other notes on here, maybe from Heart of Gold. He he covered. Uh, this was on the box set actually. We play a little bit of this because it's the Neil Young song. It's I, Great I really song. I, I love this Neil Young song. Yeah, but let me play a little bit of it and then I'll I'll explain why I picked it. I won't live 
I want to give I've been a miner for a heart of gold It's these expressions I never give That keeps me searching for a heart of gold And I'm getting old That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. I never heard that. That backing band is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Nice. That's that's all that makes the it. The Chilies. Anthony. So that, that was Flea going one, two, three, four at the beginning. So they, hmm. yeah, that was all them playing behind him, which I just was like, really, and it's on that's the great. box set. It's yeah. like a throwaway. And if you listen real in the back, you hear Ant the Keys go, lip the butt, <laughs> the butt, the All right, I got one more Johnny Cash song, and that was um, a cover from the Twisted Willie tribute album and this is the song called time of the preacher this is a willie nelson song and this is johnny cash kim thyle from soundgarden chris novoselic from nirvana and sean kenny from sean kinney from alice in chains doing a cover of a willie nelson song this is really weird i just can't i like it, it. it i was, like it it was it's heavy shit but she left behind and he cried like a baby He screamed like a panther In the middle of the night And he traveled his home And went for a ride It was the time of the preacher That's a crazy sound, yeah, though. Yeah, so there was just a... It's yeah, awesome. Like heavy '90s alternative music. It's With not Johnny even on Spotify anymore. It's like a huh. old uh, tribute album that was out in the '90s. How about Wild. That? So, I guess that's it, man. We've been talking for two hours about Johnny Cash. Yowza! It was a lot, but awesome, awesome. Yeah, it was music, good. Man. It was a good All feeling. That, this yeah. was a great uh, time. Yeah. So, I got some second thoughts. So, I have some second thoughts before we get into the feedback. So I wanted to circle back and talk about the ring that Bob Marley is wearing on that cover of Legend. So, Doug, you brought this up, and I didn't know much about it. So I went back and did some research, but I could tell you you were saying it was really important. So I went back down the rabbit hole. That ring can trace its history back to the Bible. And please correct me if I get any of this wrong, but mm. I read that, like, so 3,000 years ago, that ring was uh, owned by King Solomon, the king of Israel. And according to the Old Testament, uh, there was this woman, Queen Sheba, who ruled over parts of Africa. And she goes to Israel and she brings King Solomon all these like gifts. She's like, you're really smart. I want to learn from you. And when she goes home, she's pregnant. Yeah. And she has a son. And the son um, winds up becoming the his descendants all rule over Ethiopia. And when the son is like 22, he goes to Jerusalem to meet his dad and study Judaism. When he goes back to Ethiopia... Uh, King Solomon from the Bible gives him this, here's, I want you to have my ring to remember me. And the ring gets passed down generation from generation. And then, uh, till the emperor of, of, um, Ethiopia, the guy that we, we talked about that was supposed to be like the head mm -hmm. of Rastafarianism. Mm -hmm. And then I guess when he is overthrown, his son gave the ring to Bob Marley. And I guess what was really interesting was when Bob Marley was living in Delaware, he had a dream one night that some guy in a military uniform came up to him and said, all I have to give you is a gold ring with this small diamond in it. So mm. he had this this, this vision prophecy yeah. that yeah. – Right. And the ring is like 
Doug, you said you you thought it disappeared. I thought it I, disappeared after he died, and you heard it. I read it was buried, buried with him. him. I, I, I can't like, hey, anything's possible, like yeah. you know. But um, yeah, I think Bob Marley was definitely in tune. He was in he was definitely in tune with the universe and had ideas of what was going on. Really, cool what was going to happen in his future? That the ring had like a three thousand year history. It's pretty. That's why I don't think it's buried with him. But what do I know? I, I don't it, know. Anything. It could be buried. Somebody see something that valuable to be in the. In the grave of Bob Marley. Bob Marley's grave's in the ghetto. Maybe it's in one of those crates, yeah. like in uh, the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? The government, <laughs> when they put the ark. Like, Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't see such a priceless thing being in a coffin in the middle of the yeah. ghetto somewhere. I could have I swore I heard that story years ago that the ring disappeared. Like, it went back to, to it went home, basically. Hmm. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Um, Nick from Chicago wrote us in. He's he's wrote us a couple times. Said, "Hey fellas, I got the stickers. Thank you. Real quick, I listened to your guitar picks episode. I was surprised you didn't talk about Dimebag Daryl from Pantera. Yeah. Have a good week. Yeah, oh. we missed. Yeah, yeah we, we did. We dropped the ball. Well, we're, we're the shitbags of the week. Yeah, we, <laughs> we are the shitbags of the week. Uh, yeah, hang on. I I have the shitbag of the week. Dun dun dun." So, and then lastly, Patrick Sweeney commented on Facebook about our... Pat Sweeney. Uh, Patty. We comment, we posted the Joan Osborne covering What Becomes of the Brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. He said, before I saw this film, I really hadn't heard much from Joan Osborne. What if God was one of us really didn't do much for me? I hear you, Patty. I've always loved the Jimmy Ruffin original, but when I heard Joan's take on it, I was totally mind blown and flattered. Awesome. Yes. Totally agree, man. We Patty's had, a good man. Patty's the Reverend. Patty McGee. Pat is one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life. Oh, he's a librarian. Yeah. No, he's not a librarian. You call him a librarian, he gets mad. He works, and he's not, because he didn't go to school to be a librarian. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Librarian makes a lot more money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. what he said, too. All right. I got some music news. So October 30th was an important day for music history. There's two things that happened. The first was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Nice. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction was held their 2021 ceremony. Tina Turner, Carol King, the Go-Go's, Jay-Z, Foo Fighters, and Todd Rundgren were all inducted as artists. <laughs> but then there were the early influencers, which was Gil Scott Heron, Kraftwerk, and Charlie Patton. Nice. Charlie Patton. Very awesome. Blues, yeah. right? Fucking right. And uh, Gary Clark Jr. inducted him. Very cool. Very cool. There you go. Really, really cool. LL Cool J, Billy Preston, and Randy Rhodes got the Musical Excellence Award. And then Music Executive Clarence Avant got the Amit Arrogant Award. Uh, we talked about, in episode 12, about the artists who were nominated in the class of 2021. And we talked about Charlie Patton a lot in the sure. first yeah. episode. It was really cool to hear him yeah. getting the, the induction. I'm waiting for the, this, I guess the ceremony will be on HBO in a couple weeks. Yeah. I'm cool. really looking forward and to Gary it. And Gary Clark Jr. put him in? Yeah. Man, we're, we're right in there. With everything we have to talk is, they're doing. I think Gary Clark Jr. Like, did like a tribute, like a, like a performance. Tribute. Yeah, nice. I, I was looking on YouTube and all I found was like really crappy. Like, yeah, cell phone you'll eventually see it. I'll yeah. wait for it to come on yeah. HBO. Also on October 30th, the Grand Old Opry. So Nashville's Grand Old Opry celebrated its 5,000th consecutive Saturday show. So they have broadcasted a show every Saturday since 1925 without interruption. So that goes with the war, 9 11. Everything. It's mm-hmm. the longest running radio broadcast in U.S. history. And pretty much every major country music star in the last centuries appeared on it. You mm-hmm. know, Patsy Klein, Hank Williams, Garth Brooks, Willie Nelson, and of course, Johnny Cash. And then I got two other, two other music news. Kiss that show goodbye. Kiss canceled their upcoming residency at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas. The band was scheduled to do 12 shows between December 29th and February 5th. 
but they canceled it due to poor ticket sales. Get wow, out. that's crazy. That, you yeah. think all the Kiss fans would be running I know, they out just to did Vegas. a freaking cruise? I would love to go out yeah. there and they see did Kiss. Just, they did just they, leave on the cruise. Yeah, dude, they, that's unbelievable. There's some weird stuff too with like some people in their crew. Maybe it's too expensive. Some people in their crew were accusing them of uh, not having really solid COVID protocols. I, I heard some. You can't some force other. people to do. All right, and the last, the last show, or the last news story was about this Astro World concert. Oh, uh, so how he, awful I, this was is this? Crazy people. Actually, it's nine people now. Someone else died died yeah. today. Nine people were killed, and more than three hundred were injured when the crowd rushed a stage at Travis Scott's performance at the Astro World Festival in Houston on November fifth. People at the front of the crowd started climbing the speaker riggings to avoid being crushed, while others were like waving to Travis Scott and screaming, "Stop the show!" Because people were getting hurt. This dude is also the shitbag of the week. Yeah, but like the, the I, don't, I, don't I don't know, know. I don't know him. I don't either. But yeah. when people start the gate crash, that's when they should have stopped so, the show. Yeah. Did when you, you have, see any videos of that? I have. When yeah. you when you have ten thousand people gate crash. Guess what? Sorry, the show's over. Yeah. So, There's so this, bad, so bad this, scene. So in 2015, he was arrested at Lollapalooza for telling the crowd to rush the stage. Fuck him. In 2017, he was arrested for inciting a riot for telling the crowd to rush the stage. Also in 2017, he was sued because a fan was paralyzed after falling off a third-story balcony because of in Manhattan after a crowd surge. And in 2019... At the same event, three people were injured after rushing the stage after he told them to. So he's got a history of this shit. Yeah. He's going to get sued into fucking. Yeah. and he went to a Dave and Buster's after the show. Dude, fuck him. Party. He got a, like he did a, like a, a YouTube, not YouTubers, like Instagram, whatever, fucking bullshit. And he does like, I I feel so horrible, dude. You're a piece of shit. Like he should go to jail. Yeah, all yeah. your production companies should go to jail. Like I think who it was a big clusterfuck. Definitely gonna be a lawsuit about this. So, like, dude, in, there was a lawsuit when the show was a Saturday. Yeah. I think they had a sh- the lawsuit start on Monday. Yeah. Like in his um, so Live Nation and the organizers have like they put together like a plan. Like, yeah. hey, here's if something goes wrong, and they didn't have crowd surge in there, knowing that this dude had a history of this stuff. Yeah. So he's gonna Live Nation's gonna get sued. He's Good. gonna get sued, and also like nine people died. That's awful. Yeah. It's, it's just horrible. Go, you go to a concert for fun and yeah. everything like that, and but, last thing you think of, you're gonna get hurt. But, you, but you, the kids that went to this thing, first of all, like those kids were out of control to begin with. Like, like let's put the blame words at this generation. I, I don't want to sound like an old guy, but you I do. am. You do, yeah. But like the like these these kids got to stop and think once but in a you while. Guys, you guys have. We've talked about shows before. Yeah. You guys have said you've been in pits before. Yeah. That you felt I felt scared. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It was, it was a like, bunch of times. You see, you, see them stop, you see them stop the show. He should have. He has a responsibility to stop the show. Yeah. Who knows? Really, really, really. You're going to see something change just with venue shows. Like, because this is a makeshift show. Like, no, if you were, dude. Like, you're going to start seeing, like, every 50 yards, you're going to see, like, some kind of, like, like first aid stand in the crowd. Like, during, it has to happen. I mean, that's like, like, it. I, I've been the trillions. Game. I've been the trillions, millions, gillions of shows, and I just went to a show that had thirty-eight thousand people at a show, Fish's Atlantic City show, and there was no bum rushing the stage. There was no none of that shit. Yeah, it was all gate crashers and fucking what the what do they call it? Um, when they all show up, a flash mob. Right. Yeah. It was yeah. like a giant flash mob. Yeah, they weren't prepared for it. Again. Who, how do you prepare for something like that? I don't know. It's such an awful thing. And they're, they're all kids. Yeah. These they, kids don't give a they shit. They don't yeah. give a shit. They don't know any better. Yeah. 
All right, so it's time for the electric chair. The electric chair is a segment where we kill a song for being terrible. This week we decided we're going to, since Travis Scott is a uh, shitbag of the week in addition to us, <laughs> we're going to kill one of his songs. And we don't know any of his songs, so we just went on Spotify and we typed in Travis Scott. And there's a song called Goosebumps that has 1.6 billion plays. Billion on spotify and it also has 739 million plays on youtube here's his song goosebumps i have no idea so none of the three of us have ever heard this right no, no. i feel like all these songs sound the they fucking same my yeah my son listens to some of this stuff sometimes yeah. he has really weird taste like he'll be listening he was playing like the spinners greatest hits one day yeah, yeah, and then he was playing this like this auto-tune mumbling yeah and I was like and I'm the old person and I'm like dude this shit all sounds the same to me yeah and I'm like and I like to think I know a little bit about music but I, yeah. I, I don't I don't get so it if you told me this was Post Malone I'd be like okay, okay sure or yeah. that, that, that I was like I tech nine, <laughs> six, yeah. we, six nine six nine right, right that other fucker he's a gangster well fuck this Takashi, motherfucker Takashi 69 yeah. okay this and somebody died over this music yeah <laughs> The kids need guidance right, for music. Okay. We're gonna kill it. Warden, you to death. Fuck you. That was bad, dude. I'm mean. We should, we should just do a show through autotune one time. We'll, just auto, we'll put it on the recorder and do our voices. Hey, yo, Bruce. You sound like uh, the guy in South Park that's got the cancer kazoo. Uh, <laughs> cancer kazoo. What a great name for a band. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that's it for this week's episode. If you loved the Johnny Cash music we talked about, check out the episode playlist we put together. There'll be a link in the show notes and on our social media. If you enjoy the show, please consider following Prisoners of Rock and Roll on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on your favorite platform. You can leave us a review and tell your friends about us. If you want to get in on the conversation, you can check us out on Facebook or Twitter. We post interesting stuff every couple of days, and we love talking to you guys. You can also email us at prisonersofrockandroll at gmail.com. And if you really, really like us and you're in town... Stop by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. I stopped in for a beer before the show, and it was really nice to see some new stuff on the beer list. Also, if you're interested in drinking some tea, you can go check out TSTT.com and put in promo code PRISONER15. You'll save 15% on your order. Doug, didn't you say if you go into McCusker's Tavern and you say... The Shamalama Ding Dong, you get a quarter off a draft beer. There you go. There's a promo code. Shamalama Ding Dong. Never say we didn't give you anything. So that's it, man. We'll be back in two weeks. That'll be after Thanksgiving. We'll be in the holiday season. So we'll be... Ooh, I can't wait. Festive to talk about, and uh, uh, we're going to be appearing on another Pantheon podcast on a Christmas episode soon. So check us out. We'll be plugging that once we uh, get it done, and uh, that's up and running. We'll be back in two weeks. All right, check you later. Keep on rocking. Peace out.
What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.